0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. Uh, apologies for the delay. It's been a little bit since we did a Hoist the Colors podcast and part of that is because we've been busy uh, covering some basketball and baseball news. So we're late into this week, and we're actually turning our attention to football, specifically in this episode. As always, I'm the host of the podcast, publisher of of hoistocolors.net, Stephen Igo. I'm joined by my good friend, uh, former ECU assistant coach, and now uh, proud father, Bobby Harward. Bobby, I know it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, but I know you're excited to come back and... And talks some EC football today.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm backed up. Well, I think we're under the 50 day mark till kickoff against App State, and two weeks or so until report date. So I am pumped and getting in that football mode.
1: Yeah, it's uh man. Once you hit inside of 50 days, it it really does seem to fly by. And just doing I'm doing you know these individual countdowns, counting down with the player numbers, numerical roster and it's amazing it feels like yesterday i was doing like emmanuel hickman number 97 um and now we're already at under 50 days which by the way emmanuel hickman has since changed his number to eight so i don't know if i need to do him again uh as we count down the days but we'll figure something out uh but bobby we are starting our positional previews today and we're going to do these leading up to uh the start of the season obviously Uh, i've got brett hickman lined up to come on and talk running backs next week uh, we are talking quarterbacks today, and we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to do some over-under totals that I came up with myself. Um, for Holt Naylor's. we'll each kind of pr- pr- prognosticate whether he'll go over or under these certain tallies. We also have a couple other quarterback questions as well. But mu- mu- much of this conversation will focus around Holt Naylor's because he's the projected starting quarterback uh, heading into this coming season. Before we kind of dive into this coming year, Bobby, just uh, looking back at the past few years, it's hard to believe this this will be Holt Naylor's third year as the full time starter, and technically his fourth year as at least a part time starter because he did so as a freshman in twenty eighteen. Uh, when you look back at the past few years, what do you kind of make of Holton Naylor's and, and where he's uh, at in his career heading into this season?
2: You know, it's kind of been, it's been a roller coaster, uh, a lot of up and down, um, a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, there's uh, times where know holton looks like and in, in a player of the year candidate in in the conference uh with some of the outings he's had and then there's other games uh you're trying to figure out what he's seeing in the defense um you know obviously there was a coaching change in there so that has some effect into it and then and then the the covid restrictions and that whole uh fiasco last season uh obviously threw a wrench in some things too so it's not all on holton but uh i'm excited hopefully going into the year three with this staff to be able to see uh holton and how he grows being with you know donnie kirkpatrick for for now going on his third year
1: yeah third year in the same offense and you know and we'll get i guess more into this later when we do the over-unders but there's been so much discussion on you know, does Holton Nailers need to run the ball more? I feel like every time I've had you or Brett on the podcast, somebody asks about, hey, does Holton Nailers need to run more? Is that part of his game, uh, et cetera? And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do do it this year uh, more. But the completion percentage has gone up a little bit each of the past few years as he's gotten more comfortable as a uh, quarterback at the Division One level. But how much value do you think the third year the offense has, Bobby? And really, I mean, maybe two and a half years in the offense because the COVID year was was weird. He had a lot of moving parts around him last year. You didn't really have kind of your, your full natural offseason, but this really, it seems to be like this is kind of the put-up, shut-up time for the offense as a whole, not only Holton Nailers. Do you agree with that?
2: Oh, I 100% agree, and I think uh, to answer your question, going into the third year, I mean, it makes a world of a difference uh, just because at this point in time things should become second nature to Holton in this offense. He should know Uh, what he's looking at in the defense and get his reads. I mean, all that stuff should be automatic in terms of who he's going to on each particular play. Um, You know, we give him some leeway that year one because he's, you know, trying to learn the offense and get used to Kirkpatrick and how he coaches and his coaching style and what he's trying to execute offensively and then, you know, that next spring ball, which is should really be where that mo- most of his growth happens in the second year of the offense, it, they don't have spring ball. So, and then yesterday, or excuse me, last season with everything just being so stop and go, stop and go, it's hard to get in a good rhythm. So, I, I think with a, a full spring ball under his belt, this should be the year that you really see growth from Holton and, and what he uh, should be able to accomplish as a quarterback. Uh,
1: so Holden Naylors is one of uh, five scholarship quarterbacks currently on the roster. There are four other freshmen now. They're all listed as freshmen, but they're all in really different classes because Alex Flynn is a redshirt freshman who's really a redshirt sophomore. This is his third year in the program. Then you have Mason Garcia uh, and Ryan Stubblefield who are heading into their second years as uh, freshmen after the COVID year. And then, of course, you've got the uh, early enrollee, Walter Simmons III. So you've got five total scholarship quarterbacks. We'll get more into kind of their expectations, specifically a lot for Mason Garcia uh, as a former four-star recruit. So we'll dive more into that towards the end of this over-under segment. But Holt Naylor is the projected starter. He is the starting quarterback, Bobby. So let's dive into these over-unders real quick. And to give give yourself, myself, and – the fans kind of some more awareness. I'll run through not only our over-unders, but I'll compare it to where that stands for his career uh, in terms of, you know, his overall numbers. So it's not just kind of... So we're not just picking blind here. Uh, So I've got his career numbers pulled up. Um, And so we'll start with Holt Naylor's completion percentage. I set it, you know, relatively high compared to his career. I set it at 65%. Now, his career... Uh, completion percentage number is only at 57%, but you look at the last two years, he was 61% in 2020, uh, 60% in 2019, 48% as a freshman in 2018 when, you know, we both remember all they did was basically chunk balls down the field uh, and it was rough at times, uh, both offensively and in terms of accuracy. So, but big improvements made there. Uh, I'm setting it at 65%, uh, you know, third year in the offense. Do you think he goes over or under that mark?
2: I think he'll be under, I think he's, he's going to be just under, I think he'll be at that 63, 64 mark. I think um, he will be above the 60, 61 that he's uh, shown previously. I think uh, in fairness to Holden, I think we need to uh, cancel that 48 percentage due to, to coaching and play calling. Uh, and just a lot of chaos going on with that, that last season under Scotty Moe. So I think he'll be just under, but um uh, the 65
1: market, about 63, 64%. Yeah, I'm probably in that, that realm too. I think he'll be just under. I think he'll continue to improve. Um, a lot of drops last season too. I mean, that, I think it was Omatosho, CJ Johnson, which you're going to have drops in a season. And you're also going to have great catches that kind of cancel each other out. So usually the completion percentage is fairly on point. You know, individually last year, he had three of his eight games uh, above 65%. So South Florida, he completed 65.4%. At Tulsa, he was 38 of 50 for 76%, which was his most uh, efficient game of the season. And then SMU, he was 20 of 29 for 69%. So uh, he's he's really right on that borderline. If he could cancel out maybe some of the the up and down games, like it had one versus UCF where it was 48%, and then at Cincinnati, 45%. So if he could cancel out those games, he could get there, but... Um, consistency, the uh, the big thing for Holton Aylers in 2022. Um, and that's a yeah, go ahead. good
2: point you made with the receivers, too, with just the question marks with the receiver position and some drops from there. That, that's another good point to kind of add into the equation for that hitting that 65% mark.
1: Yeah, there's, the whole operation, I think, has to get more consistent. Uh, and I think if you're Donnie Kirkpatrick, you want it to be at 65, right? I mean, I think that's a yeah. reasonable
2: goal definitely 100
1: percent all right Holt Naylor's passing yards I have set it at 3,400 and so to give some perspective here Holt Naylor's in his in his full season in 2019 he threw for 3,387 yards last year he threw for uh, only 1,921 yards but that was over eight games uh, as a freshman he threw for seventeen hundred and 85 yards so uh, Bobby 3,400 would be a career high he's gotten close in the past do you think he goes over under that mark in 2021
2: I do I think he surpasses the 3,400 yard mark uh, I think you really in fairness to Holton can't uh, I'm more th- looking at the 2019 season uh, and where he hit 3,300 yards um, you know, and having two more years of experience in Donnie K's offense. And then, you know, I'm going to go ahead and add that 13th game for a bowl game that will also put him over uh, the 3,400 mark. So I do think he surpasses it. I think, you know, even though with the last over-under, I didn't have the completion percentage over 65, I still think the offense will look a lot smoother. I think I'm expecting a big year from Holton, so I think he will hit the 3,400-yard mark.
1: So I like that you uh, you threw two predict- predictions in there and one with the uh, the bowl game prediction. Um, <laughs> I I ran the numbers if they do twelve games for him to reach thirty four hundred he'd have to average two hundred eighty three passing yards per game. Uh, for him with thirteen games, let me do some quick math here. You know I was not very good at math in high school. Two hundred sixty one yards per game over thirteen games and maybe even fourteen. You know maybe a conference championship comes calling. Yeah. Hey, um, there you go. But uh, no, I mean I think that's the thing too, and you know he, he's had like these monster games. You remember the 500 plus game against Cincinnati and SMU, uh, and then there will be games where he throws for like 150 yards. So it's 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 just consistency is the biggest thing. Um, but I think he's definitely it's definitely attainable, and a lot of that comes down to operation uh, consistency of the offense. All right, we'll continue on here. Holton Ailers passing touchdowns and i have set it at 24 again this would be a career high holt nailers in 2019 his previous career high over a full season was 21 he threw for 18 last year in eight games which is a pretty good ratio and then only 12 passing touchdowns as a freshman again we'll kind of throw that year out but uh 24 is the uh the touchdown mark what's your feeling there
2: i'm gonna go over again again i'm uh i'm very uh optimistic on Holton's season this year uh, going back to 2019 with him hitting the you know the 21 touchdown mark and even last year hitting 18 in, in eight games that that's that's really what uh you know made me want to go the over there I think he's gonna have a like I said before a big season I, I could see him getting you know 25 26 touchdowns uh if not pushing the 30 mark
1: and again looking at the individual games from last year here are the number of touchdowns per game Three touchdowns versus UCF, zero versus Georgia State, three versus South Florida, three versus Tulsa, three versus Tulane, zero versus Cincinnati, two versus Temple, four versus SMU. So, like, the consistency from week to week. You know, he could put up three or four. He could put up zero. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think I'm think i going to go over as well. Um, I think he gets over 3,400 yards and over – 24 touchdowns i'm feeling like a 3528 touchdown season close to 30 but not quite at 30 um which would be an improvement over over the past couple of years so I, i'm going over as well on the passing touchdowns and i think he gets there all right next up bobby holton Naylor's interceptions as we continue to run down the line i have set the over under at 10 and his career high in 2019 was 10 uh, he threw 10 in 12 games that season. Last year in only eight games, he threw nine. 2018, he only threw three. Um, what's your gut on uh, 10 interceptions over or under in 2021?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go over on that one, so that's uh, my my less optimistic stat for Holton, but I, I, I don't necessarily view that as a negative either. Um, I think Holton's a risk taker, uh, and he's going to take shots down the field, try to create a play, and you know, sometimes that can end up hurting them and, and, you know, turning into interceptions and possessions for the other team. But that's also what creates, you know, those big, exciting plays. And that's part of what makes Holton Holton is, you know, taking a chance, taking a risk. And, hey, look at look at Brett Favre and how many interceptions you see through. I mean, those real true gunslingers and playmakers also take risks. And, and sometimes they don't always go your way. So I'm going to go over 10 interceptions. I think you probably hit you know the twelve or thirteen mark,
1: and if he goes, you know, if he goes close to thirty with twelve or thirteen picks, you can live with it. Uh, and he has the yardage. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is as long as he's putting up the the yardage and the touchdowns, you can live with the uh, the decently high number of picks. Um, you know, again, last year Georgia State he threw three picks, Cincinnati threw three picks. Those were six of his nine interceptions in a two game span. So like can he avoid that game? You know, that like is he gonna have a three or four interception game this year when they play Cincinnati against probably the best secondary in the American if not college football? Um you know, what? I'm gonna go under here. I'm gonna go under there you go. I'm going uh I'm gonna say he gets like eight or nine. I think he's gonna awesome. I think he's gonna avoid the big game. And I too have ECU going to a bowl game. We were both on the uh, Homer bandwagon. Uh, and I think the way they get there is because Holt Naylers plays a much more efficient brand and goes under and I think he avoids that game where he throws three or four picks. So I'll roll with the under. I think that might be the first time we've differed, right?
2: I think so. Yep.
1: Yeah. All right. Now this is a this will be a good one because I I don't even know how I feel about this one. Holt Naylers rushing yards. I have set the over under at three hundred. And so this is a stat that really has taken a nosedive in recent years. In 2018, in Scotty Montgomery slash Tony Peterson's offense, Holt Naylor's ran the ball 119 times for 592 yards. In 2019, the first year of the Donnie Kirkpatrick era, he ran 108 times for 359 yards. And in last season, 54 attempts in eight games for 109 yards. Now, all that is net yardage because sacks come off of it um so you kind of had to factor that in but just really very very little running game last year from holton ayers but I'm, I'm expecting a bounce back i've said it at 300 is that low enough for you to take the over though
2: i am gonna take the over uh i do wish college football would revert to nfl rules in terms of sacks should be counted against passing yards um but in terms of you know rushing yard i i think you know, kind of to answer that the O-line will protect a little bit better and be stronger this year. So hopefully less sacks. Um, and I, I'm really hoping they open up the run game for him a little bit more now that they feel more comfortable with the backup situation. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to hit the over on 300, but that was a, that was a tough one to hit the, the over. I think it's going to be one of those. He either blows it out of the water because they unleash him and let him run, or he's going to be Pretty close to it because they still uh, hold him back a little bit in terms of the run game.
1: Yeah, I, I you know I agree. I think it's going to be. It, it just all comes down to what their approach is. I, and so basically, to reach the three hundred threshold, I feel like he's got to you know probably gain four hundred to four hundred fifty rushing yards because you're going to have you know a decent amount of sacks, probably hundred yards or so in sacks. So, um, man, this is a tough one. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, you know, and he's good to bust an 80-something yeah. yarder, too. That's the
1: thing, too. Like last year, he had 109 yards, and 75 of those came on that Temple run. I mean, outside of that, he basically had zero net positive yardage all year because they just didn't run him. You know what? I'm going under. I'm going under. I think he gets just under. I think he has a better year running the football, but I think he'll finish in like the 250 range. Um, Kind of like you said, like he just either blows it out of the water or just finishes under. So I'm going under. Uh, And and off this, Bobby, last one for Holton Naylor's rushing touchdowns. I set the over-under at five. Again, similar story, only one rushing touchdown last year, but six each of the two years prior to that. So this one's kind of in the middle. Uh, What are you feeling?
2: I'm going to go – I'm going to trust my gut that Donnie Kirkpatrick is going to utilize him and let him run. So I'm going to go over. Uh, But I do think it's going to be a tight over. I don't think it's going to be 10 or 11 touchdowns. I think he's no right at the six or seven mark. You look
1: at most of the the quarterbacks in this league that they don't run a ton, but when they do run, they run in the red zone. Like Michael Pratt of Tulane had eight rushing touchdowns last year. I think uh, Ritter may have had even double digits or close to it. Dylan Gabriel is the same way, like doesn't run a lot, but in the red zone keeps it a lot for touchdowns i feel like holton Ahlers should be that guy like there's no reason he should not be able to keep the ball in the red zone more with his size and i feel like this year they're going to utilize i think there's going to be so much attention on rajay and and some of those guys in the red zone that holton should be able to pull it and i think he'll score six seven eight times so i'm going to go over as well so it sounds like we're expecting a pretty big year from holton Ahlers, uh bobby I think uh, I think we're both hoping that this is kind of that breakout season, and he has that potential. He's shown it. What you know, from a consistency standpoint, what you know, what's what's been holding him back from from what you've been able to tell the last few years. <laughs>
2: I think early on, uh, I, I think I'll just speak upon the, the time with, you know, Houston staff and stuff like that early on. It looked like he was still trying to figure things out and get comfortable in the offense. Uh, I think he was still trying to, you know, you know figure things out where he's going with the football. I think there was some confusion at receiver and, and just all over the offense that they'd never really gotten a groove. Um, and then in in the last year, just so much stop and go. I mean, Honestly, those offseason practices or uh, lack thereof really, I think, do have an effect Uh, in terms of just being comfortable. I think the whole thing, uh, I truly believe if a quarterback can be comfortable in an offense, all those things will come into place. Because when a quarterback gets to the college level, normally you don't really like to tweak with their mechanics that much, You, you know, normally mechanically. You know they're they're pretty set in stone. They are who they are at that point in terms of mechanics. There's some small things that you can adjust, but it's not a huge overhaul. And it's more just, hey, how can you read the defense? How 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 do you how well do you know the playbook in terms of where you're going with the football? Um, and then obviously, you know, just looking at the offense in in general, the the offensive line has been very inconsistent. Uh, there's been some inconsistencies at receiver, especially at the start of last season. So I think it's just a whole collective. Uh, kind of like the perfect storm of, you know, stop and go with COVID, inconsistencies on the offense, adjusting to a new playbook, trying to tweak some things maybe with his stone mechanics. I think he does need to get a little bit better with his feet and, and, and some of his stone mechanics. And I'm not saying the blame does not fall on Holton uh, in, in this scenario, but I'm just saying there's a lot of other contributing factors to it as well.
1: Yeah, and this is the quarterback preview, but I do think it is worth noting that, In all three of uh, Holt Naylor's quote-unquote poor games last year, you know, Georgia State, UCF, and Cincinnati, the games that he graded out poorly per pro football focus, they also had ECU's offensive line with the three worst graded uh, pass protection games of the year, and it wasn't even close. So it was a combination, like you said. It's not always just the quarterback. Uh, It's, it's, you know, the offensive line, uh, running backs and protection receivers. So it's a complete, uh, you know, it's a complete outfit that has to work together. All right, we'll continue now with our uh, the rest of our over-unders. These have to do with the rest of the uh, quarterback room. And I think I know which way we're probably going to go on this one based on our answers uh, to the first half of these. But uh, Mason Garcia starts. I said it at one and a half. Now, you know, Ma- Coach Houston basically said during our podcast a couple weeks ago that Mason Garcia is going to be the number two guy. You know, Stubblefield, Flynn have shown some progress. And I thought Stubblefield looked really good in the spring game. But it's clear they want Mason Garcia to be the number two in the future. Garcia got one start last year. That was because of Holton Ayler's COVID deal. So, basically, unless Holton just really underperforms or gets hurt, it would be hard for Mason to go above one and a half starts. But what's your feeling on this over-under?
2: Yeah, I I think it's going to be under – I mean, I – hope it's going to be the under because if it's over, that means Holton gets injured of some sort. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to go under here.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is if this is over, either Holton has got – either the offense is underperforming to where ECU needs to make a change or there's an injury. So um, I think, you know, this is probably – maybe I should have said it at half a start, but since he started a game last year, I said it at one and a half. Um, I could see a scenario where he starts two games if ECU struggles out of the gate and towards the end of the year they need a spark. But I think Holton will will still have a pretty long leash based on his experience uh, and everything in the offense. Now, Mason Garcia total touchdowns. I said it at two and a half. Um, you know, this is one that if he gets a spot start, he could surpass in a single start. He could score zero touchdowns this year. Uh, so this is kind of a tough one to answer.
2: Um, yeah, I'm going to go under here as well. Um, I just don't foresee enough mop up time for him. You know, maybe the Charleston Southern game, but I, I, I still don't see you know him getting multiple touchdowns in that game. Um, the other games, I, I honestly see it's fairly close ball games, and I just don't foresee any true mop up time where they're trying to execute a drive with a second team offense or whatnot. So I'm yeah under.
1: That's fair. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Holton Ayers running the football this year. I think they're going to do it. And I think Holton's going to get a little banged up at some point or another. And I think Mason Garcia will have to orchestrate a key drive or two at some point, And I think he is going to hit the over on this season. I think he's going to have three or four touchdowns. Uh, and here's another thing, too. You know, I don't know how gunshot Donnie is of like putting in another quarterback in the red zone after what happened in the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, but, but do you foresee a scenario where you insert Mason Garcia in a special package to run the football? You know, that,
2: that, that's what gave me hesitation on this over under. Cause I could see it. Like you said, we used it with uh, Ben Kurt, uh, quite a bit there. And I see a lot of Ben Kurt in Mason Garcia in terms of just, you know, I think Mason's a little bit bigger, but in terms of body type, you know, Ben Kurt was a big dude, a bulky dude, a strong guy. Um, and the other aspect is they may want to give him his own little package to keep him happy so he doesn't transfer if, if Holton is, you know, doing well. So they may want to give him his own little package. So, yeah, that that's also a possibility.
1: All right, our last one. ECU quarterbacks that attempt a pass in a game this season. I set it at two and a half. And so basically this is, you know, Holton obviously going to attempt a pass. Mason – If he's the true backup, more than likely going to attempt to pass at some point. Will any other quarterback attempt to pass? What's your gut on this?
2: Over. Ryan Stubblefield will do it. Guaranteed. Which
1: which game will Ryan Stubblefield
2: appear in? You know what? Let me pull up the schedule because I'm trying to think. It's going to be a game late in the year that we're blowing somebody out, and they put Mason in for a little bit, but they want to give – I'm going to say it is Temple at home on November 6th. Wow.
1: No respect for the Owls.
2: Yeah, I almost went Navy. I almost went Navy, wow. but uh, with the ball control that Navy runs, I, I don't know if we'll get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Eh, well, there's your over-unders for the EC quarterback position. Uh, as we continue to go through these previews, it'll be uh, a little bit more diverse with different players. Um, but, you know, here's a conversation, too, that I feel like we need to have, even though it's it's kind of a – tough awkward conversation but i guarantee you the coaches have to talk about it behind the scenes all right so holt nailers because of covid now has two years of eligibility remaining mason garcia heading into his second year at ecu you know he obviously came to ecu expecting holt nailers to be the guy probably for two years and then it would be his job you know how difficult does it make maybe a, and this is something we could talk more about after the season but this, is, this has to be at least in the back of the coach's minds that at some point you have to make a decision on hey Holton has another year of eligibility that we didn't expect him to have he's going to have his degree but Mason at some point probably has to be the guy how do you handle that if you're the coaching staff
2: mm. that's tough that's tough because I do think regardless after this season uh, you know assuming Holton returns I think you see two quarterbacks leave that room I, I don't know who they are and now, granted, uh, kudos to them for sticking through the spring and into the summer. So that means, you know, unless they're leaving mid year, then they're going to be here through the fall, which gives you some comfortability. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, here, if Holton struggles this year, I think you go into the spring and you sell Mason on it being a true competition. I think that's how you get him to stay. Hey, it's a, a true competition, it's on you to earn the job, you know, know your playbook, uh, the ins and outs of it, be a leader in the weight room, be a leader off the field, be in the film room, all those good things, because that's what he's going to have to do if he transfers anyway. So that gives him that scenario here with an established, a staff that he's comfortable with. I think if Holton blows it up and still returns, I mean, it's hard to to guarantee a true competition to Mason Garcia in that instance, because Holton's coming off a phenomenal year so i do fear we could lose them there but it's definitely something going on in the back of their mind i'm sure they've talked about numerous times um and it's kind of one of those conversations just walking around the office you know and be it's after a film session or something you just sit there and like man what if this happened and you just kind of play the scenario and talk about it but uh i do think kudos to mike houston i do have a lot of respect for that staff in terms of everything I've heard. They're very direct and straightforward with the kids. They don't blow smoke to them. They don't, you know, lie to them to try to keep them on that. And I do, you know, regardless how it turns out, I expect the staff to handle it the correct way.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a scenario that's a good problem to have. Uh, you'd rather have two quarterbacks or more uh, com- compared to none. So if Holton does end up – first off, if Holton has a phenomenal year – That likely means ECU is in a bowl game, if not better, and back to where the program needs to be. And, you know, if that happens, it's going to be very tough to say, hey, Holton, you need to move on or go pro. Uh, You're the hometown kid. It's also going to be very tough to say, Mason, you need to wait another year. So I do think this is something that could work itself out over the course of the year. You know, we're talking about it because we're doing a podcast and it's July and there's nothing else to talk about. Um, But it is a real conversation that needs to be had at some point because – uh, this reality of the situation, that's what, you know, it's the, it's the good and the bad that COVID creates in terms of, hey, it gives guys extra eligibility, but also maybe prevents a guy from getting an opportunity for an extra year or so. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Bobby, any other quarterbacks on the roster that you're really intrigued by or, or um, I know you haven't been able to see a ton live cause these guys haven't made game appearances, but any guys that kind of uh, catch your attention?
2: Yeah, I think just, I, I know I've said his name before, but Stubblefield. I think, to me, I, I don't know. I think it's Shane Carden. Shane was the biggest dude in the world. And, you know, Stubblefield is one of those guys that just sit in the pocket and can sling it. So I think he's very enticing. I honestly don't know enough about Alex Flynn or haven't seen enough to, to be able to comment on his play. Um, but I have heard good things about him. Um, and then uh, the new guy, uh, Simmons, I, I'm excited to see him and just see, you know, hear about him working with the scout team and how he does over there because uh, I know – I believe he was here in the spring, correct? So, he had some, some growing pains there. But, you know, kudos to him for getting here early, and I think that will give him a jump start into the fall and he'll look like a different quarterback in the fall.
1: Yeah, Simmons, uh, extremely athletic. Um, You know, him and Garcia are probably the two most athletic quarterbacks in the room. Stubblefield, though, sneaky fast from what I saw in the spring game. But I'm interested to see Walter Simmons long-term, if he can become, you know, the – a good enough passer to truly become a a starting caliber quarterback at this level, you know, we'll see how that plays out. He's extremely early in his development. So there's no real pressure on him. Like you said, he can learn, uh, watch the scout or run the scout team this year, kind of watch from the sidelines. Uh, Alex Flynn, the the shame of it is he was having a really good spring and for whatever reason just did not, I think maybe having the first time in front of fans, he just did not perform extremely well, had some nerves in the spring game but all signs were pointing to him really uh, potentially being that number three guy and at least pushing Mason in terms of knowing the offense and, and being a guy who can go in and run things and have it not fall apart. So, I mean, you've got some different guys there that can do different things. So for the first time in a while, at least for this year, you have legitimate depth at quarterback and no, not a lot of them have game experience, but you've got some options if it comes down to it.
2: Absolutely. And that's just got to make you comfortable. Uh, you know, having having two or three guys that you you can go to, but especially as talented as Mason is supposed to be, you know, it the future looks good in that room, and I think it's the best it's it looked in a long long time, if not ever. Uh, you know, you don't you're not bringing in a Blake Kemp to try to fill a you know, stopgap there i think they've done a really good job recruiting and i think kudos to the especially this day and age with people transferring all the time especially the quarterback position kudos to those guys uh for staying and continuing to battle and fight it out i think that shows a lot about their character and the type of kids that houston and company recruit Uh, and who knows maybe those kids are you know obviously if they have to transfer they're going down a level and maybe they're they're hell bent on you know, competing at the Division One level and, and understanding the situation that wherever they go, they'll have to compete and just want to battle it out here.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Bobby, that'll do it for our quarterback preview, our quarterback position preview, and we ran through it, and we got some time remaining. So I think I'm going to put you up to uh, another challenge of ECU athletics twenty question. Challenge and for those who are unfamiliar, you basically I pick out an ECU student athlete and you have twenty questions, yes or no questions to try and narrow down and figure out who it is. And so basically, you have to guess within the twenty questions. So you get nineteen questions and then you would have to guess on your twentieth question. But I, I doubt you will need that many since you're such a football savant, having uh, spent some time in the program. But uh either way, we're gonna do this. You got last time we did Danny Webster and you ended up getting him, I think, around six or seven questions. So we are gonna do this again. Are you are you are you up for the challenge?
2: I'm up for the challenge. Uh you also already knocked off a question by specifying football, so thank you for oh, that. Man. Uh <laughs> I appreciate that. That that helps narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> you didn't want me to <laughs> at pick least give me a question.
1: You didn't want to pick out some uh random basketball player from Two thousand five.
2: Yeah, I didn't want to have to guess like Shamir Bowden or whatever. Yeah, that would yeah, um, that's
1: a good that's a good uh that's a good answer. All right, we'll dive right <laughs> into it. You know it's a football player. Uh let's do it. Twenty questions, ECU football edition. Bobby, you're on the
2: clock. Was this player during the rough era? Yes. Did they cross over with another coaching staff? Uh no. Is this an offensive player?
1: This is an offensive player. So, you know, he a played, quarterback. He is he is a quarterback. So, uh, you know, did he, he did he throw left-handed? He did not. It is not John Jacobs.
2: Oh gosh i was gonna i was gonna say blake since i mentioned him Uh, earlier i thought maybe that triggered something so i'm glad i I almost just guessed the name i'm glad i didn't ruin that for myself
1: wow so so we had i guess john jacobs technically crossed over into another coaching staff for like a spring and then ended up somewhere else that was uh lincoln riley's greatest greatest achievement offering john jacobs yeah
2: who who was it? Daniel Jeremiah. I have a lot of respect for Daniel Jeremiah, but didn't he say five star or whatever? Is that yeah. who rated him that?
1: Somebody on Bleacher Report called him a five star quarterback and they had to get paid off a lot of money to write that article. Oh
2: yeah. Okay, if it was Bleacher Report, it wasn't Jeremiah then. I was thinking it was NFL Network for some reason. Uh <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's embarrassing. Uh and he transferred like four other spots or whatever. I mean, that's exaggerating, but it was multiple transfers after he yeah. left ECU. He went to
1: UAB to play receiver and then somewhere else after that. I can't remember where. Yeah, it's
2: Division two II or three school, I think. Uh, all right,
1: five questions in. You got 15 left. You know it's a quarterback. The real question is, can you remember all the quarterbacks in the rough era?
2: Yeah. Oh, I got – but he kind of crossed over. I'm trying to think here's – Rio crossed over with Skip. He did. Brad crossed over with Skip. He did. <laughs> right now, I'm narrowed down. Ben Kurt and Shane Carden. No, uh, there's there's Ben Kurt still had spring with Mo.
1: No, there was uh, uh I won't say anymore because
2: okay, yeah, you're gonna give it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but you're you're on the right track. You're getting Was there. this did this player start? He did not. He was, was, he never started. Damn. <laughs> this player never started. No way.
2: Was this player a walk on?
1: This player was not a walk on. He was a scholarship. Uh, as soon as you remember it, you're going to be like, man, you got to be kidding me.
2: Because I was, for a second there, I was like, did this person transfer to UNC Charlotte? Yes. Cody Keith.
1: Cody Keith is it. It is Cody Keith. He never started, but he did appear in three games in 2013, he came in in 2011. And he played through 2014, and then he transferred to Charlotte. I don't think he ever played at Charlotte.
2: He did not. He, he went to some school, I want to say in Arizona or New Mexico or something like that, um, a Division II school, I believe. Mm-hmm.
1: And he was another guy. You mentioned John Jacobs being hyped up out of high school. Cody Keith was hyped up. He had, like, his own documentary, like his own yep. story. Uh, he was a pretty highly rated recruit, even though he wasn't that good. So. He, he
2: may have been the one that Daniel Jeremiah. I I swear NFL Network did one of them and may have actually been Cody Keith. now that his name is brought up. I almost, for a second, I thought you were going to do Walk On and I thought you were going to do, uh, was it Jonathan Wayman or whatever? <laughs> and <laughs>
1: that would have been I messed up. You,
2: yeah. 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 But Wayman's a good guy.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, that, I, like, I, feel like he practiced – he was on the team, what, for three, two or three years at least, right?
2: Oh, yeah. He was awesome with scout team too because he'd want to play receiver since he didn't get quarterback reps and, like, want to block people and hit people. So it was pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, Cody Keith out of Cheshire Academy. Uh, I think that was in Connecticut. Like, he – I mean, both -hmm. both Cody and John Jacobs' parents were rich. I feel like they, like, orchestrated these stories to, like, make their sons – Sound better than they really were, and Cody had some unfortunate injury issues. I think then he had like his arm worked on at some point at ECU. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh he it, the only time he played was 2013. Completed seven of eleven passes for 57 yards versus FAU, North Carolina, and Ole Miss. So at least he got some game action. Also, I also remember he came back for a pro day like two years after he left. And it was really awkward because the entire ECU football team was working out at one end of the field and Cody Keith was throwing at the other. So it was just mm. like awkward. But, uh, do you have any fond Cody Keith memories?
2: No, I, I think, uh, yeah, you kind of laid out the situation pretty good. I, Cody was a good guy and, you know, always did what he was supposed to do, but I think he had, uh, expectations put on him by his father and, um, it kind of tough to, to live up to the bill. And then, obviously, Shane Carden turned into Shane Carden, So, that didn't help uh, his case um, either.
1: So, we've got uh, Danny Webster and Cody Keith. You've knocked them out both in like eight or nine questions. I'll try to get you a guy that actually finished his ECU career at ECU next time.
2: Um, <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but, but, Bobby, I uh, appreciate uh, you joining uh, the show, man. It's always fun to play uh 20 questions also fun to talk quarterbacks i know i put you on the spot somewhat with the 20 questions but i knew you were going to get it It was just a matter of time i know you didn't want to embarrass yourself and not get it so uh congrats that's right yeah that's right but I (laughs) i appreciate the uh the time today man
2: yeah absolutely uh thanks for having me on um look forward to meeting that uh baby of yours here pretty shortly so uh good luck with all of that and hope uh, everything goes well for your your wife and and everything goes smooth in labor and have fun getting no sleep
1: yeah we're uh we actually went to the doctor today 38 weeks and three days so uh, we are right on the cusp of uh baby Ico making his appearance to the world soon enough and so um can't wait, man. Can't wait. It'll be a fun time. I also won't be able to do the podcast for a while, so I'm hoping to get at least one more in with Brett. We'll do running backs next week. Uh but Bobby, appreciate it, man. I will talk to you again. We'll have you on hopefully again sometime in the coming weeks and uh we'll continue to talk more ECU football. Sounds good. That is Bobby harward I am Stephen Igo. Thank you guys for listening to the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll talk to you again next week.